Good morning, church. Everybody doing good today? I hope so. Hope so. There's one. Okay, good, good, good. Got a long way to go this morning. All right. Tough crowd. Hey, uh, man, we are so glad you're here. If, uh, if you're a part of the faith family here at Riverside and you come here every week, uh, let me just say as your preacher, I'm glad you keep coming back. It's very encouraging, so thank you for that. And if you're a first-time guest, I hope you know, man, how thankful we are that you decided to walk into the room today. And we want you to know uh, we're so glad you're here. And as, as DJ said at the beginning, uh, he'll, he'll be out in the lobby afterwards. I'll be out there. Jason, one of our ministers, will be out there. We'd love to meet you, greet you, and give you a small gift, a small token of our appreciation, but we're glad that we can gather today uh, to worship King Jesus and to talk about this idea. We started this last week, this idea of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and I'll tell you, this is, this is one of those uh, things that as we kind of wade into it and begin to talk about it, it's challenging. It's challenging for me. I hope you know that. I hope you know that I'm wrestling every week with some of this stuff and trying to, to discern what it is that Christ wants to speak into, this, into the life of this church, into the heart of this church. And so as we wade into this together, I hope you'll be challenged and encouraged as well as we think about what Jesus says when he talks about the kingdom of heaven and what it's really like. And Jesus often, we, we said this last week, but most often he talked about this idea uh, by telling stories. And so many of the stories he told, Jesus was a world-famous storyteller. So many of the stories he told began, began with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And people that don't go to church know his stories. And people that have never read a Bible know his stories. People around the world in other countries that have never heard of him know his stories. His stories are world-renowned. He was an incredible, he was a master storyteller. And today we're going to look at a couple of those stories. But before we do, I wondered if you heard about this story. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories. I've already shared this with some of our teens a few weeks ago, but it's, it's, it's really, it quickly became one of my favorite stories when I heard it a couple of, uh, well, actually last year. Uh, there's a couple by the name of Sean and Nikki McAvoy. This is their picture. And uh, now Sean and Nikki McAvoy, they live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and their business is to sell vintage clothing, which is why they're dressed wearing some vintage clothes here. This is what they do for a living. And so, as the story goes, true story, by the way, they were, um, they were up in uh, North Carolina, in Asherville, North Carolina, uh, visiting some folks. And on their way back, they stopped at a Goodwill to see if they might find, uh, might find anything of value. And, and, uh, and they were shopping and looking through the different clothes, the different piles of clothes. And, and Sean found this sweater. It's a West Point sweater you'll see on the screen behind me uh, that he just found in a pile. And he picked it up and he thought, hey, this, is, this is good quality. It looks nice. I bet I could get a good price for it. And Goodwill was only selling it for 58 cents. And so, you know, he and Nikki got it with some other things, and they threw it in the car, and they drive back to Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, a few weeks later, maybe a, maybe a couple of months go by, and one night, Sean is hanging out in the living room watching uh, an HBO documentary, a uh, sports documentary. And on that documentary, they picture this man uh, wearing a West Point sweater, much like the one that he had found, and, and some of you know who this is if you know your sports history, but this is a picture of Vince Lombardi wearing a West Point sweater. And so Vince Lombardi is a, a world-renowned coach. He won five national championships. He won two Super Bowls, uh, coached the Green Bay Packers, incredible, incredible coach. And he calls Nikki, and Nikki's in the kitchen. He says, Nikki, Nikki, come here. And he, he pauses the TV, he freeze frames this picture, and he says, hey, this guy, he's wearing a sweater that looks kind of like the sweater that we found at Goodwill. Do you think it might be the same sweater. And she's like, well, I don't know. Let's go see if we can find it. So they go back to the bedroom and they're digging through all the clothes they've bought and they've piled up and they find this sweater and they look in the tag and you'll see it behind me. They look in the tag and on the tag is written the name Lombardi. Well, now they're starting to think, we really found something here. 
And so the first thing that, that Sean does is he calls the, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame and he says, hey, I found this sweater. It's a West Point sweater. It's got the name Lombardi written in it. And I saw a documentary on HBO and I think it might be the same sweater. And of course, the Pro Football Hall of Fame wanted Sean and Nikki to donate the sweater to them, to which Sean kindly replied, no. <laughs> but he learned through that phone call that, that, that he would need to get this verified and certified that it actually was a sweater worn by Vince Lombardi. And so, I don't know if you know this, but right here in Dallas, Texas, uh, this is where this kind of stuff happens. There's a couple of organizations here that do this. And so he drove from his home in Knoxville, Tennessee, all the way here to Dallas, Texas, to have this verified and certified through some high-powered microscopes and experts and all this kind of stuff. And sure enough, it came back officially that this was a sweater that was owned by the Vince Lombardi. Now, the Heritage Foundation here in Dallas uh, auctions off these kinds of sports memorabilia. And they thought at the time when it was first certified that, that they could probably fetch around $20,000 for the sweater. Remember, they, they paid 58 cents for it, people. It goes up for auction, and earlier this year, or last year, it sold for over $43,000. I know what you're thinking. We all won't fit in goodwill when this sermon's over. <laughs> but I'll meet you there. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? The things that we assign value to, right? I mean, it's really interesting the kinds of things that we think of as valuable and we assign worth to. And I think it's because that inside each of us, inside of all of us, it is part of our human nature that we love treasure, don't we? We love to seek treasure. We love to obtain treasure. We love stories about treasure. We love movies about treasure, books about treasure. When you were a kid, parents, if you want to be a hero today, go home and do this. When you were a kid, you remember this. There was nothing more fun than getting a map, a treasure map, where X marks the spot, right? And you get to go on a treasure hunt and you get to find the treasure. There's something inside of every one of us that just loves to seek and to find treasure. And we, we love to assign worth and value to different things. But I think we also have a bit of a treasure problem because one of our problems, if we're just being honest, is that we live in a kind of a time and a culture and a place where we can easily obtain most of the, the treasures that, that we want. I mean, even the least among us in this room today, whoever you are, I am, it may be me, um, we are incredibly wealthy by the world standards. You know this, right? Did you know that, that nearly half of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day? It's estimated that 1.2 billion people on the planet right now live on less than $1 a day. You spent way more than that when you stopped by Starbucks on the way in this morning and you didn't think twice about it. And, and, and I think one of, the, one of the consequences that you and I step into as a result of our affluent wealth is that we've kind of lost, haven't we? A, a desire or an appreciation or an, a wonder for treasure. Because treasure for us, it, so often it's, it's easily attainable. Uh, but at the same time, the satisfaction, the joy that we get from it is also fleeting. I mean, this is why, you know, parents, and you know, you know what I'm talking about, and grandparents too, you know, your kid is, is dying for this thing. It's a video game. It's a bike. It's whatever it is. And, and we finally go and get it for them. And then five minutes later, they're done with that, and they're playing with a box that came in, right? <laughs> it's because even our children know that whatever they want is pretty easily attainable, and they can pretty much get it when they want it. it it's not hard 
There's no, there's no delayed gratification. There's no waiting for it, not much at least. And even for us as, as adults, if we need something, if we want something, we just go and we get it. And, and the problem is, is that, that the satisfaction that we draw from it, well, it fades pretty quickly too. Because the treasure that we most often go after is that treasure that is so most easily attained. And because of that, the satisfaction and joy we receive from it is also quickly fleeting. And so what I think you and I have is a real treasure problem. We really do. There's not much that impresses us anymore. There's not really much that we long for anymore. There's not much we wait for anymore. There's not much that we just can't get our hands on if we really wanted to. We'll find a way. And what we have is a treasure problem. The really good news for us is that Jesus talked about treasure. He actually talked about treasure a lot. But he talked about treasure, and what he talked about when he talked about treasure was, was really an entirely different kind of treasure. And, and today what I want to try to do in just a few minutes, and it's going to be like Mission Impossible, is to help, help us get our minds around what Jesus talked about when he talked about treasure. And I want to remind you that when Jesus talked about, uh, when he told these stories and when he talked about the kingdom of heaven, he was always trying as best he could in whatever way he could to communicate with us what life is like in God's economy, how people treat each other who share God's identity, and what the world looks like when we participate with him in making things on earth as they are in heaven. And so all of these stories, they kind of work to do that. And, and these parables, and, and there's more than one way to understand. There's more than one way to read them, and I think that's on purpose. Jesus didn't just give us a key and say, this is exactly what I meant. He told these stories, and I'll tell you, there are pages upon pages upon pages of people who have tried to figure out, what did Jesus mean? And I think that's on purpose, because there's a lot of meaning being gleaned from these teachings of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to open up to this, actually two stories that Jesus told about treasure. In Matthew 13, if you have, a, if you have your Bible app, you can turn that on. You can look at the screen behind me. If you have uh, a Bible, open up to, to Matthew 13. And we're going to look at just three verses in Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. And I want you to, to listen to how Jesus talks about treasure. And, and I want to remind you, too, that, remember, this is an upside-down kind of kingdom that Jesus talks about. And so sometimes the, the stories Jesus tells and the things that he says, they don't make, they don't make a whole lot of earthly sense, okay? Uh, it, it's upside-down from the way you and I think. And uh, things in the kingdom of heaven, uh, they're different than, than they are in the kingdoms of earth. And so the, the things that we assign value to as kings of our little kingdoms here on planet earth— they don't always carry the same uh, weight or idea that things carry in the kingdom of heaven where Jesus is king. And, and this is one of those stories that seems a little bit upside down, but I want you to, to listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus says these words. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, you've probably heard this before. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was hidden in the field. And this, this guy, he kind of stumbles upon it. He kind of finds it. You might even say it found him because he wasn't looking for it, but he discovered it. And then he says that, uh, Jesus says that he was so excited. He had an emotional response. This was incredible. The, the, the real word is just joy, pure joy, that he found this treasure. 
And he knew right away that he had to have this treasure. And it wasn't a second thought for him. There wasn't any hesitation. He knew. It wasn't even, uh, let's not, it wasn't, let's make a, a pro list and a con list. Let's think about, is this a wise investment for my future? It was, no, I have found this treasure. It's automatic. I'm going to sell everything I have to buy this field so I can obtain and have this one thing that's worth more than any other thing. That's the joy and that's the excitement. And that's the spontaneity that he expressed in finding this treasure that he just happened to stumble upon. And then Jesus tells a second story. And if you've heard the story before, it sounds a lot like the first story, but it's a little bit different. And I want to see if you can tell what's different about the next story that Jesus tells in verses 45 and 46. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like, well, it's like a merchant who's on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Now, in this story, there's actually a merchant, it says, who's on the lookout for for treasure. He's on the lookout for choice pearls. Uh, What what you may not pick up in in, in this, and I I don't want to point this out because I think this is powerful, is that when Jesus told the story in the original language, the way Matthew wrote it, is he, he didn't say there was a merchant. He said there was a man who was a merchant. So a a man who was a merchant was on the lookout for choice pearls. And this is subtle, but I think this is powerful because if you know anything about merchants in the day and the time of Jesus, you know that merchants, well, they didn't have the best reputation, right? I mean, they were were known for being shrewd. They were known for, 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 for buying low and selling high. They were known for taking advantage of people. And Jesus calls out this story, and he's, as, he, as, he, as he tells the story, he calls out this, this merchant. Not, his primary identity wasn't a merchant. His primary identity was a man who was a merchant. And Jesus tells the story about the kingdom of heaven. And, and some of you, I, I know if you're anything like me, as you read this story, you're probably thinking, I, you know, whatever this treasure is that we're talking about today, whatever it is that Jesus is trying to talk about, I know this much, I'm not worth it. And, and I know me like nobody else knows me. And whatever this treasure is you're talking about up here, God isn't going to give it to me. So this message really isn't for me. Because some of you probably identify with this merchant. Because you know you better than anybody else knows you. And you don't know what this treasure is we're talking about. But whatever it is, you know that God would never give it to you. And what Jesus does here is subtle, but I think it's powerful because he says your primary identity isn't a merchant. Your primary identity is a human being. And before you're anything else, you are someone, you are a person who was created and loved by God. So there's a man who happened to be a merchant who's looking out for choice pearls. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is exactly what it's like. Because this guy had looked at a lot of pearls, and maybe you've spent your days looking at a lot of pearls too. And he never found a pearl like this pearl. But when he found this pearl, this pearl was worth more than any other pearl. And if you know anything again about the day and time of Jesus, you know that that the pearls were probably the most valuable jewel in their culture. But they were also so rare that there were a lot of people who had never even seen, never even laid eyes on a pearl because they were so rare. But this merchant looked at a lot of pearls. And when he came across this one pearl, again, it wasn't a thought. There wasn't a decision process. There wasn't a list made. It was automatic because he found a pearl that was so valuable, that was worth so much, that was so, oh, it just had immeasurable worth. It it was quick. 
to sell everything he had to obtain that one thing that was greater than any other thing he could have even ever imagined. And and I think it's important too to think about this, that, that Jesus isn't saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And he's not saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. He's saying it's like all of it. Like the kingdom of heaven, it's like a treasure hidden in the field, found by a man who wasn't looking for it. He was willing to give up everything he ever had to get this treasure or a treasure, uh, the kingdom of heaven. It's like this pearl that was found by a merchant who, when he found this pearl, this pearl that was greater than any other pearl, was willing to give up everything he had to, to obtain this pearl. And for you, I don't know what your story is, but chances are you probably stumbled across the kingdom of heaven in one of these two ways. Either you weren't looking for it, and one day you found it, or maybe you found like it it found you. And when you found it, you knew you were all in. Maybe it was in a worship experience. Maybe it was on a mission trip. Maybe it was at camp. Maybe it was in this church. Maybe it was, I don't know. But one day, the light bulb went off in your head, And you stumbled upon this treasure that is the kingdom of heaven. And when you found it, you were all in. Some of you may be a little more like the second story, right? And you got stories to tell of all the pearls you looked at before you came across this pearl. And you could vouch for this and say that there's a lot of things that you looked at. There's a lot of things you did. There's a lot of things you tried to fill yourself up with. There's a lot of things that you strove for. But then one day, you found, you found this pearl that was greater than any other pearl. And when you found this pearl, you were quick. You were quick to make a decision for Christ because you knew that this was greater than anything you had ever discovered. And really, the question I want to I I really ask you is have you found this treasure at all? Have you discovered this treasure that is the kingdom of heaven? This treasure that when you discovered it, however you discovered it, you said, I'm going all in. Because there is nothing that compares with this treasure. I love what Louis Giglio once said. I heard him say this. He said, the activity of the human soul is to find something of value And to worship it. Think about those words. The activity of the human soul is to find something of value and to worship it. So if you want to know what you value most in your life, then I want you to look at what is the subject of your worship. What is it that garners your time? What is it that garners your attention? What is it that, that, that all your resources and money and thought life goes to? What is it that is at the center of your world? Because whatever it is you worship, that is the thing that you have ascribed the most value to. And again, this is what we do, isn't it? I remember when I was um, a teenager and I got my driver's license and I got that first car. You remember this feeling when you, when you got your first car? My first car wasn't, you know, really that nice and shiny. My first car was actually my granddad's truck that he gave to me. And at the time, the engine didn't work. And so we had to buy a new engine to put in it. It was a 1980 Chevrolet Custom Deluxe pickup truck, right? And uh, there was no cab behind it. There was just the, the one, you know, cab. And, uh, and, and that one was like a bench seat in the front with a column shift, three gears, 
These guys have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Uh, this, was, this was back in the day. This was a beautiful old truck. And, and even then, because it was mine and because I, I, I owned it and it was my truck, man, I took care of that thing and I washed it and I waxed it and I, and I, and I spent all my money to buy a new radio and speakers for it. I, I did everything I could to dress up this old beat up truck because uh, it was my treasure. You know, it was what my world revolved around as a 16 year old guy. This was, this was it. I was excited. This was, this was it. And it was it until I got a new truck. And then I dispensed with the old and I couldn't care less about it. And this new thing became the center of my world and the center of my attention, the center of, of, of where all my time and energy and resources went because it was new and it was shiny and it was my new treasure. And I think this is what we do as people so often. We just move, don't we? From treasure to treasure to treasure to treasure. And we dispense with the old and we look for something new and shiny and we, we center our worlds around it, our lives around it. And for all of us, there are different things that we assign value and worth to. And that becomes the center of our world. And by definition, that becomes the thing that we worship. And I could get really personal here if you trust me enough to do it. And say, so there are a lot of things that we give value and worship to that are just out of place. And I know I step on your toes sometimes, so I hesitate to do it again. But even for me, I mean, we live in a world, in a society, in a culture, in a city that's full of young families. And if I'm being honest, and Alicia and I have talked about this a lot, sometimes what becomes the center of our worship is our children. And our world revolves around them before it revolves around anything else. Sometimes our world revolves around trying to keep up, trying to impress people we don't even like, trying to uh, obtain things that would impress other people, whether it be a home or a car or a job. Or In the center of our world, we come here every Sunday and we sing praises to Jesus, but we spend the rest of the week in the center of our lives, in the center of our world, the center of our worship is something else entirely. And I want to call you and I want to call myself to repentance and say that at the end of the day, what we need to elevate the supreme place in the center of our lives is, is this treasure, is this kingdom of heaven treasure that Jesus spoke of. And, and I feel like that if we were standing there on the day Jesus told this story, that he was probably even thinking. He's like, he, he's saying these words about the treasure and he's telling the, the story about the pearl and the merchant, but he's, he's just standing there and he's saying these words and he's already announced the kingdom of heaven is near and I can just see him leaning in and, 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 and if we could just listen to his thoughts, I bet he's just thinking, the treasure is standing right in front of you. I am. I'm the treasure hidden in the field. And I'm near. Like I'm so near you can reach out and touch me. That's how near I am. I'm standing right in front of you and you don't even see me. But I'm telling you, the treasure is hidden in the field and I'm right here in front of you. The kingdom of heaven is near. In fact, the king of the kingdom of heaven is right here right now. And I'm telling you these words. 
The kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a pearl. And merchants were looking for it and searching pearls all over. And you've been looking for a Messiah. And you've seen a lot of Messiahs come through here and say that the kingdom of heaven is near. But now I am the Messiah. And some of you, I want you to find me and I want you to follow me. And I want you to see that I'm the real deal. I'm the one you've been searching for. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And instead, instead of giving up everything to find and to follow the king of the kingdom of heaven that was standing right in front of him, they killed him. They killed the king of the kingdom of heaven. But this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, isn't it? Because in the kingdom of heaven, it's this self sacrificial kind of kingdom where the king of the kingdom of heaven is looking back at you and me and looking at the crowd that day and what he's saying I think to them is that you know what you're the treasure and and I want to show you what the kingdom of heaven is like because you are worth everything Somebody once told you that you weren't worth anything. In fact, you probably thought you were worth worth less than a 50-cent sweater laying in the Goodwill shop somewhere. But as the king of the kingdom of heaven, I want to tell you, I will pay $43,000 for you. No, I will pay whatever the cost for you because you're the treasure. And I'm pursuing you. And I'm after you. And I want you. And I'll tell you, if we can ever get our minds around this, if we can ever get our minds around this, That Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven and he is the treasure. He is hidden in the field. He is the pearl of great price. He is worth giving up everything for. And at the same time, as Christ looks at you and me, he looks at me and he looks at you and he says, no, 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 you're you're my treasure. I'm pursuing you. This is what life is like in the kingdom of heaven. I'm after you and I want you because you are the treasure hidden in the field and I wanna come and find you and I wanna, I'll give everything for you. Look at the cross. I'll give everything for you. I'll pay the ultimate price. You are the pearl of great price and I'll give up anything I have to, obtain you and to, 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 to have you because you are worth everything. And, and, then, and then you remember, do you remember the words of Jesus to his first disciples? Do you remember what he said? He said, hey, 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 guys in the boat, come follow me. And I'm going to make you fishers of what? Men. In other words, I'm going to make you treasure hunters because there are people, and you know this right now, there are people outside of these doors all across the city There's treasure waiting to be found, church. You want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? Oh, man. What if we were unleashed as an army of treasure hunters for Jesus? What if we join the mission and vision of Jesus to go out and to seek and to save what's lost? What if we see the people in our community not as people who annoy us or who are distractions or who we're bothered by or who, who for whatever reason wanted to sleep in this morning, but, but what if we saw them as treasure waiting to be found? And what if we loved them so much that we were willing to give up everything for that treasure? Everything. Nothing's off limits. This is the message of Jesus. Wow. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we've got a decision to make, church. Are we going to give up everything to follow King Jesus? And are we going to give up everything to follow him into the city and the world around us to join Jesus and be on mission with the king of the kingdom of heaven? And yeah, it may mean that 
we're crucified. It may mean that we're killed. It may mean putting to death some of the things that we don't want to put to death, including our opinions. But maybe, just maybe, if we join Jesus on mission, maybe, just maybe, there'll be treasure that was lost and now is found. Church, if you would, stand with me. Here's what I've been thinking about all week long. Are we, are we a treasureless church? Have we lost sight of the capital T treasure? If we are, that's a scary thought. What does a church look like? What does a church look like that's found the treasure? You ever been a part of a church like that? Maybe we're a part of a church like that. I'm not trying to say we're not. I'm just asking the question. I think to be a part of a church that's captivated and infatuated and, and, and just fixated on the treasure that is Jesus and on the treasure that are those who are waiting to be found, man, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And I think to be a part of a, of a church that has its eye on the treasure means that we're willing to give up everything and anything to gain that treasure. Thursday night, I was driving my son, Will, to baseball practice, and he said, Dad, do you know what you're preaching on Sunday? And I'm like, I hope I do. It's Thursday. <gasps> um, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about the, the parable of the treasure in the field. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that story. Man, treasure, field, sells everything, goes and gets it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at this point in my week, you know, I've been reading and studying and going over and praying all the material that's written, and there's just books upon books. And, and I'll be honest with you, Thursday night, and this is not a good feeling for me, I'm struggling with, like, what is the message for Sunday? You know, what am I going to say about this thing? And so I asked my son, because he's really smart, I was like, Will, what do you, what do you think that story means? Help me out. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a preacher's kid, so I thought he would say something like, well, you know, I think it means that our ecclesiology and soteriology needs to match up with the, you know, the, the great eschaton that Jesus anticipates when he says he's going to be the propitiation for our sins and make all things right and all things new in the kingdom of heaven. That's not what he said. I thought he would, but he didn't. Now he said, Dad, I, I think it just means that we've got to be willing to give up everything to do life with Jesus. That's it. I think that's it. I tried to get him to come preach that, but he wouldn't do it. Maybe next week. Hey, I don't know where you are today. Um, I want to ask our elders and their wives to make their way around the edges of the room. If you feel like for any reason you've lost sight of the treasure and you just want to get that, that feeling back, if you want to be captivated again by Jesus, if you want to be in love again with Jesus, if you want to be, have your world revolved and centered around Jesus, nothing else but Jesus, then I want to just invite you to go pray with these guys and their wives. They would love that. They would tell you they don't have all the answers, but they'll, they'll pray with you. Um, if you've never found this treasure we're talking about and, and you want to know what, what, what it is we're talking about, again, go find one of these guys and their wives and, and ask them. And, and I would invite you to pray with them. Because this is a big deal. The kingdom of heaven is just like this. And this is what we want to be about in this church. We want to be treasure hunters for Jesus. We want to be willing to give up everything to follow King Jesus. And yeah, we know we follow a king of the kingdom that died on a cross, but he rose again. And this is the hope that we have. And today, if, you, if you've been searching your whole life for treasure and you haven't found it and you feel a little bit hopeless today, I want to remind you there is hope. 
because there is treasure. There is a pearl of great price. And not only do I want you to seek it, but I want you to know that he is seeking you. And he is worth everything you have to find him. If we can help you in any way, just, just come pray with us as we sing.